Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Robert Scrobe, and to start things out, we're going to be interviewing Phil Smithson from the Philippines. He is the founder of the Failure School, the owner and design thinking consultant for the Onoff Group, and an all-around great guy to talk to. I had a wonderful conversation with him about his company, what he's planning on doing in 2019, and some assorted other topics that you might find interesting. Well, Phil Smithson, thank you very yeah. much for joining the Dallas Design Spins podcast. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start with design thinking and design sprints. I know you have a lot on tap for next year and what you want to do with that. Let's start with that topic and what you're currently doing now and what you're planning on doing next year. Right. Um, so at on-off group, uh, we've been doing a lot of design thinking for a few years. The company has been going actually for five years in February. Um, and we've kind of transitioned from being uh, a digital agency to a UX agency. Um, and now we've kind of, I think, found our footing under, uh, I guess what we call, what we term an innovation agency, um, helping companies, uh, prepare for and create the future. Uh, by applying design thinking and uh, and and design sprints as a why way, of, why has there been so much evolution with your company? Has it been responding to market forces? Has it been a change in interest inside the agency or inside the company? What's been the catalyst for the change? I mean, the the my five years prior to to setting up what's now on Off Group uh, was was spent in a digital agency in in Manila. And uh, we, the agency was a lot of a fully a 360 kind of solution to any any business problem. So we had creatives, we had uh, analytics, we had production, digital production. So you know websites and mobile apps and things. Um, so on the back of that experience, I set up um, what became on Off Group. And um, I think as a as a first time entrepreneur um, <laughs> running a business for the first time, you're you're kind of not really quite sure um, what the company uh, should do in the beginning. So in the beginning, in the first kind of 12 months, um, we we just did, we were trying to be everything to all people. Mm. So we did web development, SEO, analytics, uh, and, and UX. We Initially, the, the goal of, of starting the company was that we'd, we'd be a, a UX agency. Um, but in those first few months, you kind of, you, you're bigger problem is not uh, your vision for how you want to change the world but your bigger problem is uh, we need some revenue coming into this company um, so we kind of went through a, a process of scrabbling around and um, basically yeah trying to be all things to all people and over the years we kind of realized um, after the first year we were like you know what um, this is not actually what we set out to do we don't want to be a digital agency like this doing SEO and, and web dev um, so we kind of had a refocus on on UX, um, and then and then across the years we kind of narrowed that focus down to. Oh, we had a lot of interest actually from from des- in terms of design thinking from from the local market. Uh, so yeah, we we did. It was a bit of an adjustment to that. So listening carefully to what people were were asking us for, um, but also a refocus on what we what we wanted to do. I think as a as a company. I can I can completely relate to this 
I originally thought I was going to be doing work with enterprise companies, helping them with design thinking initiatives that they had put a lot of money towards that were struggling. Yeah. I'm fairly gifted in restoring and resurrecting initiatives that have gone off the rails. I have a track record for it, but mm. it, it's crazy because now if you would have told me I would be working on a design sprint referral network and a virtual design sprint event next year as my main focus for branding as well as revenue, I would have laughed myself out of the room. It's been crazy how events have kind of led me towards those ends and how focusing on those has actually benefited my business in, in ways I wouldn't have been able to figure out before. And how many people work there? Is it? We're, we're about 15 people in total now, sales from sales, marketing, UX, and design thinking. Do you find that from a business outcome standpoint, design sprints and design thinking is much more lucrative or more promising than other avenues that, that you could consider? I, I'd say we, you know, we have a lot of different clients coming to us. Some people come to us, um, a lot of people come to us because they want, they've heard about this thing called design thinking somewhere um, and they want to teach it to their, to their staff. Um, so we do, we do do a lot of skills-based training there. Um, and we'll kind of run through what's basically a design sprint, but in, in one day and uh, teaching them a bit more about the, the, the mindset behind, uh, why we do it in this way and how it works with design thinking. Um, would you like to showcase anyone in particular that works at on off group that you, you, uh, have done this work with before or like that you'd like to showcase for the podcast? Uh, a client, you mean, or an employee of one-off group? An employee, like people that you work with, some designers or developers that you've... Absolutely. Been... Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've recently uh, onboarded a, a new a design, what we call a design thinking facilitator, a design thinking strategist, sorry. Uh, basically, he's, he's uh, Leo Laliana, um, and he's doing a, a, an amazing job at um, uh, teaching design thinking to, to our clients. Um, he is... Uh, He's, he's late 20s and he's got a lot of experience now with such a wide range, range of, of clients from uh, insurance companies. He's done work with the government now. Um, and um, it's, it's, really, it's really impressive how he's, he's taken to this role. And what are some of the foundational uh, employees that work at Onoff Group? People that you've counted on for the, the tenure of the company or that people that are central to its success beyond yourself of course but who else who else do you work with that 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 really to, brings brings things to a new level that's uh, that's 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 a really good question uh, and i think this everyone i'm really happy with with the team right now at Onoff group um and this has been my so i'm i'm right now i'm in the uk for three weeks uh, and this has been my my least stressful Excuse me, my first three-week vacation uh, in a long time <laughs> and the least stressful vacation because I have such a good team. Um, so we have a really good admin uh, side who takes care of all the uh, bureaucracy around uh, working in the Philippines and government stuff. That's uh, Name. Uh, she she kind of does a, a good job in making sure that uh, all the stuff behind the scenes is, is running smoothly. Uh, we've got uh, JCell. Uh, who's in charge of making sure all the workshops are prepared, all the materials are ready. Um, 
Uh, and every, every more, if you have a workshop that day, uh, you know that if you go to the office, uh, there's going to be a little bag with your name on it and the client's name on it and a list of all the materials. And you just come in, pick up the bag and, and go to the workshop and, and, and do your stuff. So as a facilitator of workshops, it really takes, uh, takes a lot of the stress away from you. Um, and, and then on the other side, we've got, um, uh, sales and marketing team, which is, which is running really well. Um, and this is, so this is Mark, uh, Vernica, uh, and, uh, Diren Danani. Uh, they are both ex ISECers. If you know about ISEC, ISEC's a, a group, um, where students at university kind of, they join this group, um, and they, they tend to get a lot of exposure to businesses through being in this group and they come, they come out of their, their university course becoming, being very mature uh, and having a lot of business experience. Um, we've also got Siege working on the marketing as well. Uh, Siege Frankera. Uh, and she works closely with, with, with uh, Mark and Duren. Uh, and, and they're very autonomous, which is, which is really, really good for me. Uh, it makes things very easy. I just kind of set direction. Uh, and, and these guys are so, so hungry, uh, so impatient for, for success. I feel, um, they don't have a, they have a, a low threshold of a low bullshit threshold basically. And they just want to get things done. Um, and it's, and it's really, it's really refreshing having them on board. Uh, so now when a, when a lead comes in, for example, from the website, uh, it's no longer me being the first point of contact. Uh, these guys pick it up. Mark and Duran, uh, and they, they go and they do the sales, the sales presentation. Um, and then they, they just set everything up without really having me involved that much. And that's, that's really helped me get above the, well, I'm still trying to get above the, trying to get to the kind of strategic level. Um, as, as, as I'm sure, you know, your, our role is to kind of set vision and strategy for the company and work on that. Uh, and if, if we're working on the, on the day-to-day details, uh, then we kind of, we, we lose that, that, uh, that vision or that, uh, that macro view that we have, that we should have. Correct. Yep. You only have so much time in the day and it really exactly. comes down to prioritizing what absolutely needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I will put a disclaimer in for anyone that in the on-off group that does happen to listen to this podcast in the future. I put Phil in a bit of a spot just because when I asked him to highlight some people he worked with, doesn't mean that everybody else he didn't. I haven't finished yet. Wasn't yeah. <laughs> special, so I'm not expecting him to do a roll call. It was just, it was just an interesting conversation to have on the podcast. I'm I sure do have to mention Casey though, Casey Sharoma, who's who's stepping up and she's doing an amazing job as well, uh, and she's in the same kind of, she's an ex icehacker as well, got the same same mindset as as Mark Duran and, and Siege. Uh, impatience, uh, desire to do things uh, properly, um, very analytical, uh, and she's a key part. Casey's a key part of our team going into 2019. Um, and then, yeah, shout out to all the UX team as well, uh, Alan and uh, Naomi, um, and, uh, and and everyone else there. All right, great. So you think you covered Thank you for that disclaimer though yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just did, I, I realized halfway in i thought oh crap i'm having phil talk about everybody <laughs> and if there's that one person that he doesn't say he's 
going to hear about it after the new year going, yeah, Phil, listen to that podcast and uh, wondering what I need to do to get on your radar. So, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll try to modify that a bit when future podcasts so that I don't. <laughs> you have a company of 300 people. Tell me the top 10. Start that, start that problem from happening. Let's go into the Idea Space Foundation. What is it like mentoring and who do you mentor? I'm, I do my own mentoring in different, uh, with different organizations, but I'm wondering for the Idea Space Foundation, how that was set up, what's the story behind it, and what really appeals to you about the mentoring you're doing there? Mm. So the Idea Space Foundation is a, is a foundation of a large group of companies uh, in the Philippines. Um, and they help early stage uh, startups to, they give them money to develop their idea. Um, they don't take any, um, any equity. Um, so if you can get in the program, you basically get, uh, you get cash funding and you also get access to, to mentors. Uh, so I'm the, I'm the design mentor. Uh, we also have a, there's a marketing mentor, there's a legal mentor, there's a, a team mentor, an HR mentor. There's probably, I don't know how many mentors there are at idea space, but there's probably a good eight to 10, I suppose. Um, and what's, what's interesting there is that what I like about it is just kind of, um, I, I get to help people, I guess I wouldn't be in contact with otherwise. Uh, I think as a mentor, um, the seeing the startups develop from, you know, not maybe not having a, a good idea about what, what problem they want to solve or how they want to solve it. Uh, and then seeing them develop over time, that's kind of the most rewarding thing uh, for me, I guess. So I'm, I'm kind of happy to, to be involved in that. How long have you been doing this mentoring for? The idea, I think it's been like three or four years now with ideas. I think three years, maybe. Do you still keep in contact with a lot of the folks that you mentor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say direct contact, but um, uh, in, in the Philippines anyway, everyone kind of becomes your Facebook friend. Uh, so it's really good to see uh, how, they, how they develop over time. One that, one that stands out is a, comp is a startup or a company called uh, Investigrams, um, which is run by JC Bisner. Um, and I remember doing some mentoring for, for these guys a couple of years ago. Um, and they've really gone from strength to strength. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're trying to make the stock market easier for, for Filipinos to invest in by teaching them how to invest. Um, and they seem to be very kind of selfless in that vision. Uh, they seem to be genuinely in, in running this thing to, to make people's lives better, which is a, a refreshing, um, uh, it's a refreshing kind of mindset to be to be close to. I'd like to see more of that personally, mm. that are less oriented towards greed and more about the common good. Knowing yeah. that you still need you still need revenue to keep the lights yeah. on, feed folks, but less about the dominance of the dollar or the the commerce, and more about the social good that something that you do can bring. And hearing that, hearing that story is, is really encouraging. Speaking of, of social good, there's another one called uh, Cleaning Lady, uh, which is just a, it's a, it's a social enterprise that um, connects 
people who clean, who can clean condos and houses, um, to people who, who are looking for, a, who have a dirty condo, basically. So this cleaninglady.ph uh, is uh, the people that I use now for, for, for cleaning my condo. And um, I mentored them. They were from Ideaspace as well. Um, and they, they take uh, maids or cleaners who were, I think they're in a program called uh, Gawad Kalinga, uh, GK, which helps. Um, it's a Philippine-based poverty alleviation and nation-building organization. Um, and, and that's kind of a, this, I get the feeling this is not really about making money. It's really about helping uh, these people earn in a way they wouldn't have been able to earn otherwise. Um, and the service is really fantastic as well. Um, and it's really nice that when, when you know, you mentor a startup like that, I remember helping them with, with the, the customer journey mapping, uh, two, two and a half years ago, um, and to see where they are now, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really rewarding for me as a mentor. How much time do you usually take to mentor from month to month? It depends on their needs and where they are in their idea. Um, and, and how, cause some, some startups, they will, you know, a lot of them fall by the, by the wayside. Um, with cleaning lady, I did spend, I remember spending quite a few hours with them from, from week to week. So I guess on, on a, on a month basis when we're, cause right now we're between, programs for idea space the program usually runs for i think about four months of the year um and then the rest is kind of advertising the program uh, and getting people involved so right now idea space is looking actually for startups to to join the next program which i think the deadline for submissions is january um for the first batch do they do that yearly or is it once it's yearly, yeah, once a year. So every, I think at the beginning of every year, they start a new program. And, and I, th I think they've been going, I think Ideaspace has been going for five years. Interesting. And this is based in the Philippines, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So I've got, a, I've got another s a small business, I suppose now, called uh, Learn Tagalog Fast. So Tagalog is, um, is a dialect of Filipino language. It's the main dialect spoken on on Luzon Island, which is where Manila is, um, and, and this is the most common way of communicating in uh, in in the Philippines. Um, and a lot of foreigners come to come to the Philippines. Well, so this 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 idea actually is is kind of it's close to my heart because it basically helps foreigners um, speak to Filipinos in a way that's easy for them to learn. Um, and it's about delivering, it's about being as, as effective for them in terms of time spent learning. Um, so the, for the minimum time spent, they get the maximum reward, basically. Learn Tagalog Fast was an idea I had, and I, I jokingly, in inverted commas, say that it took me uh, like two years and, and four hours to, to actually start this thing. I had the idea for such a long time of, because I've been in the Philippines for 10 years, um, from originally from the UK, and I didn't speak any, any Tagalog, any Filipino when I came here. Um, and I've, I found it quite easy to learn um, because I was just jumping in um, and, and learning by making mistakes and making, saying, saying the wrong thing and getting corrected uh, and listening to people uh, and correcting and, and being, listening to people and copying them. 
uh, copying the intonation, copying the way they say the words, pronunciation as well. Um, and I, I, I loved it. And I recognize that a lot of other foreigners uh, who come to the Philippines didn't have that uh, experience. They were kind of a little bit more, um, a little bit more, more shy, I suppose, to get, to get involved. Um, and they didn't have the same, I feel like speaking Tagalog in, in the Philippines unlocks a different level of experience. Uh, because you can connect so much better with with people if you it's the same in any country if you can really speak their language and you start to understand uh, how they think and they start to understand their culture more um, but in, in the Philippines you can get away with speaking English in in, in Manila certainly um, and it's fine but uh, I really feel I, I feel that you know learning Tagalog and Filipino helps you really connect in a different way so I had this idea um, in my head of, oh, you know what? I should make a program. I should make this. I should put these things I've learned into a, into a program. Um, and for two years, I had this idea. And for two years, I was kind of second-guessing myself and saying, ah, yeah, but, you know, that's not, that's not going to work. Nobody would be interested in that. Or, um, and then after two years of having this idea, I just got, I just got sick of it. And, and I went to a, to a cafe uh, and I sat down for four hours um, and I wrote um, a five-day email program. Um, so every day you'd get another, uh, another email lesson of, of what, I, what I felt was the most kind of impactful, uh, powerful um, phrases, I suppose, in, in Tagalog. Um, so I sat down for four hours. I made this, this really basic five-lesson program. I, 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 I got the domain, learntagalogfast.com. Um, I, I bought like a, a really basic HTML template for $5 and customized it, uh, uploaded it, um, connected the whole thing to MailChimp, um, made a, put the five-day pro email program into MailChimp. Um, and, then, and then I shared it on some expat Facebook groups in, in the Philippines and uh, got some really good feedback. Um, and and got a lot of people to sign up, and then it kind of developed from there. But it, what 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 annoys me? Not, it's not annoying, but uh, is that you know I had this idea uh, for you know for at least two years, and I didn't act on it because uh, I think ultimately is because I was I was scared of what people would say, and I think uh, I think ultimately scared of of failure, which is. Which is a shame that um, you know I spent two years with this thing, and, and and didn't develop it because I was not confident enough to take the first step. You say that learning the native language gives you a different perspective you normally would if you didn't. Yeah, this is something you promote with this service. Can you speak from a personal experience standpoint on how learning the language has changed the dynamics for you in engaging the local culture? I think it's it's really just a case of it helps me much better understand the people I'm working with. And for example, if I'm if I'm running a design sprint or if I'm running a design thinking workshop, um, then it it just gives me a, another level of being able to connect with with the people that, who are in the training. Um, it helps me uh, bridge the gap, I suppose, from from being a you know a foreigner from from a different culture into into something that you know kind of helps me be a Helps me helps me be connected with them much much better. 
I was about to go into failure school, which is another th- topic that I'd like to talk with you. Mm. I was going to tell you I'm an honorary member of your school, whether you knew <laughs> it or not, uh, with as many things as I've tried and failed at over the years in my experience being a coder, a designer, owning businesses twice over, uh, friendships across the board. So depending, I guess, on context, I'm an honorary member. But mm. you set up failure school in a partic- for a particular reason. Why don't you go into that? Yeah, so I set up failure school because, um, I, well, I, f- I feel like the the story behind Learn to Dialogue Fast is really the the principle behind it is it's about it's it's design thinking for me, uh, and design thinking is about overcoming this fear of failure, and in showing your work early, uh, and getting feedback from the people you're designing for, and then iterating the idea, uh, and so many people are not comfortable with that. So for, for me, I take these, you know, you build something, you show it to someone, uh, it's a mini experiment. Um, if you get it wrong, it's fine. And you have to continue. It's not a failure necessarily if you, if you did the wrong thing. Um, but, but a lot of people don't like that. They don't like that iterative approach to, to design. Um, and I wanted to teach that to, 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 to kids, really. Because um, it, it comes from doing so many design thinking workshops and seeing that people who are 25, 30, 45, 50 years old uh, are scared to fail. Um, and knowing though that when we're kids, uh, when we're very young, we, we're not afraid to fail. Um, and something happens as we go from being a kid to being an adult. We go through education, uh, educational system. We come out the other end and, and, and we're scared to, to fail and we're scared to experiment. Um, and I feel personally that design thinking really helped me uh, come out of my shell a lot. Um, it gave me a, a, a mindset, a different way of, of viewing the world, I suppose. Uh, but I didn't get it until I was in my late 20s, uh, at least. Um, and I think it's such a shame I didn't discover it earlier. Because I wonder what would I have done if I'd known about this thing when I was 20, when I was 15? God, that was a long time ago. Um, how, how different, I don't regret it, but I'm, I'm, I ask myself how different would my life be if I had discovered this thing earlier? Um, so the failure school is, is kind of made for, for my younger self, basically. Uh, and I have, I have a, a, who's a son called Luke, who's now four years old. Um, and I see a lot of the things that I had in him and, um, I want him to discover what I learned at a much earlier age. Uh, so I want, I want him to, to learn about design thinking and that kind of stuff. So the failure school is about teaching kids to what the design thinking process is, what it means to, to fail early, to experiment, uh, to learn, to, to go and speak to people uh, and find out about a real human problem um, to understand that uh, as an individual, you can be, you can come up with solutions to real human problems if you get comfortable with, with failure and with experimenting. So how would you approach this process with kids, with specifically with, say, five to seven-year-olds like you had suggested? Well, the, my idea, we, we've done a couple of runs of the failure school. Um, we, the first run with, was with 11 to 18-year-old kids. Um, and my, my, my big idea was that... Um, because when you're 11, if you or, or younger, if you if you fail, if you 
if you make a mistake, uh, more in most cases, that's not going to be a life-changing mistake. Um, but when you get to 30, 35, uh, you know, the mistakes can, can be a, maybe a get in the way. Life gets in the way. You've got family and stuff. It's going to weigh you down. But um, So the big idea was that you, kids go through the failure school multiple times. Um, by the, so by the time they're 18, they graduate, not graduate, but they, they, they finish, they graduate high school or, or, or whatever. Um, having experience with speaking to people, learning about a problem, um, and going out into the world and trying to solve it. And if they've been through the failure school, you know, two, three times a year, um, for seven, eight years, solved 24 real human problems, spoken to 150, 200 different people to learn about problems, um, then I think you're in a much better position when, you, when you're 18 or 20 or 21. If you have that as, as an experience, you're in a much better position to, to go off and really do what you want in the world and not have to necessarily get a job, but understand uh, the power, I suppose, that's, that's inside of you, um, that you can, you can and understand the value you can bring to the world. It's about getting, I suppose, life experience much, much earlier than, than otherwise. Um, so we haven't yet approached it with kids as young as uh, four or five years old. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds could, could come into this. It, it reminds me a lot of something that my wife showed me yesterday where there's a group in Seattle, and I don't know the name. I just saw the video that she showed me about 15 to 20 seconds where it's the philosophy of putting value and rewards around doing the process mm. and focusing on the results and the outcomes. Exactly, yeah. So you're, you're rewarded by going through the motions of something that you want to do, knowing that you may go in a different direction entirely because you have new information at hand. Exactly. And then knowing that it's fine to do that. And it's that, that kind of flexibility and, and evaluating based on new information that I guess we, we want to teach there as well. Yeah. So Interesting. You, you just to just just sorry just to jump on something you mentioned uh, a, few, a few minutes ago. Uh, you said you couldn't you you couldn't quite imagine yourself in this in the position you're in right now. And 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 I think design. If you told me ten years ago that I'd be running design sprints and design thinking workshops, I'd tell you no way, no absolutely no way. You know, ten years ago I couldn't I couldn't do a I couldn't do any public speaking. I wasn't comfortable at all speaking in front of an audience. I was very very shy. Um, and if you told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing this, I'd tell you absolutely no way. Um, but so I really feel design thinking kind of helped me get a, a new, a new grasp on the world, I suppose, and, and really unlocked, uh, so many, so many different things. And I, I wonder what's going to happen in the next 10 years as well, actually. Well, that's an interesting question to ask you. If the two of us are talking again in 2019 and you think uh, around this time in late December, what for you would be a good year for you next year and what would be a great year? That's a good question. I think what, what we've, what I feel like we've, we've tapped on with, with design sprints um, compared to design thinking training um, is that design sprints are so they have a specific outcome. Um, it's not about teaching people something. It's about really helping them, solve a specific 
business, a big business problem they have. So whether it's a particular product or yeah, they want to improve an existing product or make a new product and they don't know how to do it. Um, so I'd really like to uh, do lots more design sprints to help people solve these these real business problems. Whereas I guess my frustration sometimes with, with running design thinking stuff is that it can be a bit of a, a theoretical exercise sometimes and often often nothing gets gets applied after the training. Um, so uh, a, a great year, I suppose, would be uh, in terms of the impact that we, we bring to our clients uh, and, and helping them. That's our job. Our job is to help them apply uh, what they've learned from either from a design thinking training or to help them specifically with the design sprint. So the, the more people, the more real business problems we can solve, the better, I think, in, in 2019. Do you see the design sprint process evolving to the point where you're customizing that process for each client or engagement you do with the business? I don't see the process changing too much. Um, I think what's really good is it's kind of, it's problem agnostic right now, more or less. Uh, whatever the problem is, you can kind of run it through a design sprint. Um, but I, I do see us expanding that um, into a more complete offering, similar to what uh, AJ and Smart are doing actually is, um, is packaging up the the offering uh, and having the you know like an iteration sprint um, and and then the the execution sprint and kind of coming in and not just helping the the client at the beginning of of the problem but also being with them the, the all the way through to the end I suppose. How are you planning on marketing your various initiatives next year? What do you tend to gravitate towards? Are you somebody that, that prefers to work on LinkedIn or Instagram? Uh, do you have some sort of plan in place for how you're going to showcase things like the failure school and the on-off group and the, the mentoring work you do? What do you typically uh, get yourself involved with? That's a, that's a good question. I think our most of the on-off groups marketing anyway is, is, um, is social media, so Facebook, Instagram right now. Uh, we're looking at getting into more video content and we kind of took our first few micro steps in that in the last couple of months, but uh, video is going to be a, a key part of our strategy for, for 2019 um, and um, trying to trying to play the long game in terms of um, attracting people and uh, marketing our services. So we'll be kind of, I suppose it's looking at things like building our brand and, and making ourselves more, more, more transparent, you know, sharing, you know, who we are, what we do more, I guess being more authentic um, with, with, with the audience. Um, so, you know, direct, think, think of things like direct videos from people like Leo, um, Leo Laliana, our other design thinking strategist, him sharing uh, something from a workshop, uh, a live kind of feed or a short one minute video with an interview from a, a workshop participant. Uh, think about uh, Mark and, and Duran, the sales team sharing uh, similar stuff from, from sales meetings, sharing reflections on, um, on what it's like to sell design thinking, design sprints, what problems it solves, what kind of clients we meet. Because uh, I feel we're in such a unique position actually is we have such a wide range of clients that, um, and we see, 
we see we get to see inside all of these different clients from from insurance to bank to government to to other other companies um and we we have a privileged point of view in that no one else sees what we see no one else sees 50 i don't know how many different clients in, in a year and 50 different kinds of culture cultures 50 different kind of problems um so we're in a unique position and i want to we want to share that in, in 2019 is share what we've learned from that. I think. So Phil, if people want to go online and check out what you're doing and what you have planned and basically get updates when every, when it, whenever something comes online, where should they go? They should go to our Instagram page and check out our Instagram stories, uh, on off group on Instagram and also on off group on Facebook. And uh, for those people that want to volunteer for the failure school or be honorary members, where would they go for that? Failureschool.com, thefailureschool.com. Awesome. All right, Phil, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming on the show and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. If you have a question or comment about what you heard on today's show, Email me direct at robert at dallasdesignsprints.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. Just do a Google search for Robert Scrobe or ask a friend and see if they know. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.